0: UX Podcast Episode 81.
1: Hi, and welcome to UX Podcast, bouncing business, technology, and users every other Friday from Stockholm,
2: Sweden. I'm James Rohr Lawson. And I'm Pat Axeboom. And we're standing in the uh, cinema Regoletto. in uh, Stockholm. In Stockholm, uh, on Kungsgatan, uh, we're at uh, Hybrid Conference 2014. Mm-hmm. Last year it was somewhere else in Cardiff, Wales. Okay, and uh, we've had two talks so far: uh, Dan Rubin and uh, Scott Hanselman.
1: Yeah. And uh, this this conference, it's um, well, the name says Hybrid Conference. It's um, it's trying to combine, or it does combine, um, well front-end, or UX, and business, Mm. and also dev. So it pretty Mm. much ties in with
2: the whole title of the podcast. podcast. Yeah, it does. Breaking down silos and Mm. and the way that we want to really get outside the traditional realm of UX, is is what we're saying. So So I'm I'm really looking
1: forward to this. And I mean, I think you pair have have encouraged me to do this before at conferences. Before the conference starts, think about what do you want to get out of this? Mm. So what do you want to get out of this conference?
2: Oh, don't put me on the spot. Just because I your question. Yeah, I know. I, I always try to do that. and uh, But the thing is about this one, I didn't have time to prepare as much as I did, wanted to. Yeah. But what I'm liking about it is just the two talks we've heard so far, extremely, extremely different. One was more like a behavioral science talk about how people are uh, staying within their like field of competence and people are being developers, people are being designers, people are being even UX designers. And they're failing to do other stuff in the projects. They're lowering the bar effectively by specializing. Right. So they're not, their yeah, they're not yeah. realizing their full potential either, really, uh, when, when working in that way. And that's and what we're doing when we're putting titles yeah. on ourselves and, and saying that we are a specific type of person in a project and that we're not allowing ourselves to uh, really share the, the workload and understand the process that other people are, are doing. Hmm. And it was so funny because I actually got a message. During his talk, he was mentioning that I don't know which project it was. It was probably some micro- Microsoft project that, where they had a specific person who was the icon designer. So I, was they, exactly, I think it was to do with the Apple example. Okay. It was a team at Apple. So were... one, one person was the icon designer yeah. and nobody else did yeah. that. And I got a chat message from my developer in the project I'm working in. There's no icon for copy. What am I going to do? Mm-hmm. And I answered promptly, just design it.
3: Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and he's like,
2: really, I can do that? And of course you can. For, for me, this conference, <laughs> I was...
1: Uh, what what's really exciting for me about it is that this is an international conference here in Stockholm. It is, um, you know, a lot of the time we've had you know, UX or Dev or whatever conferences here, and they've been um, uh, they've been very Swedish in focus, Swedish talkers, Swedish mm. attendees. Mm. Here already, I can I can feel and tell. There's not much Swedish being spoken
2: here in the
1: corridors. No, there isn't. It's fun. It's just that walking really around. When me. I got we,
2: here for coffee this morning, it was like everybody was talking. Yeah. It's just nice.
1: So I'm, I'm really mm. looking forward to, to meeting some people mm. and um, listening to the rest of the talks. It's two days, and we're going to hopefully grab a few interviews with um, a few of the speakers. Yeah. Uh, and maybe some of the attendees. Mm. We'll see. Um, so Here we go.
2: Here we go. <laughs> Now we're standing here with Dan Rubin. You gave the opening keynote yesterday for the hybrid conference and uh, gave us some insights about how we're actually working in silos. We have our own titles and we don't really like to go outside our comfort zone and stuff like that. And we were talking about uh, how we should break out of that comfort zone to make ourselves Perform better, in, in we, essence. You know, we
1: don't, don't talk anymore, was the yeah. title of um, Dan's presentation.
2: And since we've had, as a tagline, breaking down silos for UX podcast, it was really appealed to us, of course. Tell us a bit more about your talk and uh, your recommendations and the challenges that we're facing when trying to actually live up to that.
0: Well, sure. Thanks for having me on. Uh, it's nice to meet you guys. Uh, well, I've, I think I've always been a little averse to... Uh, the, the idea of, of silos. Uh, I mean, even the fact that that term is what people commonly use to refer to, to, the, to the, yeah. that concept in practice, um, I think it shows that everyone understands that it's closed off. Yeah. Uh, closed off and protected, and not necessarily always negative, but um, uh, especially as, uh, as someone who's been an independent for essentially my entire career, and I mean, even before I started working for myself when I was 16. Uh, And so for a very long time, I did everything. I did every role Were the wearer of multiple hats Mm. all the time. And I always wanted to understand what every aspect was about building something, whether it was physical or or virtual. Mm. So I've always been independent. And Mm. uh, because of that, I've always worn every hat and tried as hard as I can uh, even before I was doing interaction design, before I got into the web. Mm. Because when I started as a designer, I mean, the web was, was... around, and I'd been playing with the internet before the web was around, so I was aware of it, but there were two separate sides, so I was learning about design and typography and print, uh, that's what I was really passionate about, and then I was playing with this technology. But so, as far as I was concerned, it was all fair game, there wasn't a reason for me to do one thing, I never viewed uh, roles as a, as a thing, it was just things I was interested in. And the more I understood, the better job I could do mm. and that 's always been the approach that i 've had and it 's when I started running into people who didn 't work that way didn 't think that way, and just said, "Well no, this is why would I learn about that? This is my job was yeah, yeah. really did. confusing because yeah. I, my point of view was why wouldn 't you learn about that why right. wouldn 't you do that mm. doesn 't matter if that 's your job, the more you understand about this thing over here so if, if you're a, if you 're working in print design, the more you understand about the printing technology and about inks and about what the folks who run the press are going to do, mm. the better job you'll be able to do and the better you'll be able to communicate with them. Mm. And so I think the same thing happens in anything tech-related. Mm. Ultimately, what I try to get across to people now is that I think the, the best way for us to think about what we do is that we're, we're product designers, because I view design as a term that's, that's agnostic. It's mm-hmm. not about your role or your title. Design is creative problem-solving. Right. Software engineers solve problems creatively. Yeah. That's part of the design process.
2: Yeah.
0: If you're a uh, if you're a part of a team that builds cars, you're part of you, you might be part of the, the, the automobile design team, mm-hmm. you could be an engineer or a chemist. The the roles are independent from the process. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And the more we start to remember that no matter what our title happens to be in a particular mm-hmm. organization or or our understanding of our uh our particular role or on on a, on a project. Mm. The project is the most important thing. The thing we're building and the people we're building it for, whether it's physical or virtual, those yeah. are the most important things. Mm. Yeah. We have to get out of our own way, get our egos out of the way, and just remember we're all on the same mm. team. Mm. The the silo we should be thinking about is the one where we're all included, mm. rather the, the, than the the all end all these goal separations. The way you're actually heading for. Yeah, yeah and because what the, the what happens is is that we end up wasting a lot of time with those little territorial disputes. Yep. Mm. And ultimately, those aren't important. Mm. I mean, we, But we spend a ton of time on them. And what mm. we find, I think, is when, when people get the opportunity to work on a team mm. that's small but, no, but doesn't have those territorial disputes, because small doesn't mean you won't. Sometimes people will if there's enough overlap. <laughs> yeah. But if it's the right personalities, that's why we, we love it when that mm. kind of thing happens. Because we're all mm. pulling in the same direction. Mm-hmm. We're not wasting any time. What we spend all our time on is the work. Exactly. And we all agree. When I like, I love getting to work with people. Uh, like I, I did a project last year with uh, Dan Mullen, Super Friendly, his agency, mm-hmm. and so there were people like Kevin Hoffman on the project doing the uh, information, information uh, architecture, and of course he also he understands a lot of things about the visual design, about interaction design, the whole thing. He he was just that was his responsibility mm-hmm. on the project versus role or job description mm-hmm. or anything else. So we'd have conversations about all the aspects, about the typography, because he gets that, about any kind of UX stuff. There there was the bleed over, because that was the, the work. When there were tasks to do, and deliverables to produce, mm-hmm. that's when the responsibility came in. Mm-hmm. And I think that's a much healthier way of mm-hmm. viewing things, but... Uh, How do we get the entire industry to start thinking that way? That's another question.
2: We were saying we need to shift focus, but it's kind of when you're in a perfect team, you know it, and people actually enjoy going in and doing other tasks. But I guess as a manager or as UX leads, one role of ours would be to actually help shift that focus from what are we actually delivering? What's the value we're doing here? And how would we solve the problems we have? Getting there together and not by doing our different stuff.
1: I like um, yeah. uh, Tom Soderstrom, who from NASA, who talked here yesterday as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, when you listen to him and, and, and think about what he's saying, where, well, the roles we don't care about the roles. We just care about you know getting that mm. thing to Mars or, exactly. or making it survive. And if you come up with the idea that gets us there, excellent, exactly. You know, then we've got close to our goal.
0: Mm. Well, it, it, that, that focuses everyone on the right things. Mm you know it puts puts everyone's focus on the horizon on the on the goal and the task at hand and the project i mean however large or small it happens to be instead of thinking and focusing about the things that are right in front of us which are unimportant because we're saying oh no 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 that's that's my job why why did you open my my psd or why are you editing my file or um or again like one of the examples i I talked about uh in my presentation about you know uh, someone from the ux team being upset that some, that a UI designer made a wireframe. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's so incredibly pointless. <laughs> uh, and, energy, that's mm. wasted. <laughs> and I'm not sure whether that has to do more with the individual or more mm. with a particular environment. I have a feeling it's more of an environment. So if you're, if you're scared about your job security, mm. you're mm. more likely to try and protect your, your area.
1: Right. I, think, I think working culture is, is definitely going to be... A, it
0: impacts it to an extent. Yeah. Uh, at the same time uh, you know, it 's not only that I think mm. a lot of it has to do with with the individual, and that happens because people come up through those environments yeah. through those uh, those cultures right. and they're they 're trained to start behaving that way, right. no matter what culture they 're in mm. and that 's the danger too if we don 't start changing these cultures from company to company mm. it 's going to negatively impact a lot of people when they move on to different companies yeah. even if the culture changes mm. they won't be a good fit for it And that's not necessarily mm. their fault it's that they've been conditioned into that Like I, I, I fully understand that because of my working experience being completely the opposite I've been conditioned the other way
2: right.
0: mm. to not care about the roles and silos I care, I, mm. what I care about are responsibilities mm. I'd happily hire someone to work with someone who doesn't know mm. exactly how to do the things that I want them to do mm. as long as they're smart enough to learn and to try exactly And to know that when I say, okay, so here's what I need you to do, they'll be like, all right, and they'll go off and do it and figure out how to do it. Mm -hmm. Um, That's a much better person to work with, someone who's eager Mm -hmm. and intelligent and willing to learn than someone who technically knows and has the experience of how to do exactly that that thing, Mm -hmm. but is going to argue with me or waste time when I ask them to do something that's outside of their job description or when someone else on the team does something that's in their job description. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I've actually been working with some
2: really young developers over the past year, Mm. and uh, I know that they they want the required specifications. They want all that stuff written down, how is it supposed to work. And sometimes they actually ask me to come up to the screen and they say, well, we don't have a requirement for this. How should this work if we, we want this to happen? And then I ask them, how would you like it to work? Mm-hmm. And sometimes they have really great ideas. And I thought, well, that's great. So do it like that, like, yeah. you, know, like you thought. Mm-hmm. And they've actually grown a lot over the last year and realized that they can take those decisions as well without me being there. That's, yeah. that's the, the biggest thing. thing. Giving yeah.
0: someone a, a, a good degree of autonomy mm. is a great thing. It's trust. Mm. Yeah. And, the, and and ultimately, that's the thing. I think we're dealing with a lack of trust in, the, in environments, in working environments, and that breeds fear. Mm. And the two of those things together are horrible when what we're trying to do is build wonderful things that work really well for people and that delight people. Yeah. We shouldn't have mm. a lack of trust and fear mm. in the environments that create those, those wonderful right. things. That's exactly. so horrible. So,
1: so rather than being scared of, of asking the question mm. or waiting for you to tell the answer, mm. your first attempt becomes you know, that and that question, that first right. attempt. So you can then iterate that or right. go on to think, okay, you maybe it wasn't more, quite right, but self-confidence, great. Yeah, yeah, self-confidence, um, a step closer to the goal. Mm. Uh, Awesome. Thanks very much, Dan, for joining us.
0: Well thanks guys for having me. It was yeah. a pleasure. Enjoy the rest Great. of your stay. Thanks. Thanks.
2: <laughs> Dan, thanks for joining us. Natasha. And I'm not gonna let you yourself pronounce your last name.
4: Oh yeah, it's Iriziri. Yeah. Yeah. Iri-Z- Iri-Ziri. yeah I try to do like a phonetic version on Twitter. But uh, ah. I put like three different pronunciations, so now everyone's like Hey, <laughs> hey Natasha. <laughs> <laughs>
2: So you gave a talk yesterday.
1: I did. Yeah. Uh, I do what you, Do what makes you grit or yes. um, uh, how UX
2: changed my life.
4: Mm-hmm. Yeah.
2: And you really did put yourself out there. I mean, you, you talked about uh, when your first child was born, that's yeah. when it sort of changed for you and you realized, I'm better than this and I want to do something else. And yeah. I
4: have- yeah. When I, uh, before I had my first child, I was working overnight at a hotel and not a good hotel. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, uh. I looked into her tiny little eyes and I said, Ugh, I'm so much better than this. I have to be better than this. Like I have like I have to be. And so I decided that I wasn't gonna let anything stand in my way of being the best person that I could be. Mm. And like measuring that is difficult. <laughs> because, <But, laughs> you know, it's so subjective. But you know, mm. I think I, I think I'm doing I think I'm doing okay. <laughs>
2: and that actually after that you went on to uh, be employed as you were pregnant uh,
4: mm-hmm.
2: and uh, going into ux roles in different companies
4: yeah i went into a ux role not knowing what ux was <laughs> and uh and learning very quickly what it was i had a lot of people supporting me wanting me to succeed and great mentors mm. and eventually like learned learned a lot but I never, I I never stop learning. I guess I'm always trying to learn. I like read a new book every day. Mm-hmm. I go out to meetups, or mm-hmm. I used to. I, I kind of, I'm a little bit agoraphobic now, but <laughs> since <laughs> moving to New York. But um, but yeah. So I I just try to like learn learn as much as possible.
2: Mm-hmm. One thing that really struck a chord with with me was when you said that you went outside to explore environments. Mm-hmm. But actually. Not necessarily design things on the screen, but actually to solve problems.
1: That's why you um, yeah. you you took it upon yourself to um, work away from the office at one of your jobs.
4: Yeah, yeah. And um, there there's a book called Lean UX that I'm sure everyone's read, and in it it says like, get out of the building. And that's something that I was that I did like before I even read the book, and I I wish I had had that to reference when I got written up for mm. going outside of the building. Um, but yeah, I would go outside and sit by the pond and, and like sort of let nature just get away from the computer because mm-hmm. it's, you know, like creativity isn't device dependent and to say it, to to force a designer to sit inside of a cube on, on a giant iMac all day is just obnoxious. <laughs> so I went outside, I, I... Messed around with, like, different different things, like drawing in the mud or, like, making, like, a UI out of rocks or Play-Doh. Mm-hmm. Play-Doh is a, a tool that I use a lot while, um, like, instead of sketching, I'll just, like, use Play-Doh. Oh, that's nice. interesting. Yeah.
2: And so what are the, some of the recommendations to others who might, might want to get into the UX area or some of the things that you've learned across this fantastic journey that uh, you've had?
4: The one the one thing my one like piece of advice is like if you want to get into it then then jump into it. Like mm-hmm. you can't be half into it. Like you you either have, like if you're not passionate about it, you're not gonna make it. Mm-hmm. You have to really you have to really believe in the user and not just the product, mm-hmm. which is really hard to do for like startups and stuff like that because it's their baby, right? Mm-hmm. They don't wanna let the baby fall. And I've seen this in big companies too. They don't want to let the baby fall, but you, you gotta trust. You gotta trust in in your team and, and the people that you that you employ that that give the, the users that you want like the, the best experience possible. And the only way to do that is to learn about people. Mm. Like you can look at you can you can do experiments and, and look at quantitative data all day, but it doesn't matter. Like the without the qualitative data, it, it's pointless.
1: Mm-hmm. I like that. Another um another thing that you, you mentioned regularly in the talk yesterday was um don't be afraid of failure.
4: Mm. Yeah, oh yeah. Uh, I am I allowed, am I allowed to curse? Go I for curse. it. Okay. Yep. Yeah. I do it all so the time. I, I usually James kind of squirm me. a little bit, but <laughs> my, my British is coming through. Uh but yeah, so like I in my first job I like fucked up per, like super hard. And like it wasn't even a big deal. Like on like I think I said in my talk, like on a scale of one to ten it's probably like less than a one but to me like my first real job
1: the personal failure was yeah
4: yeah like and growing up like it's like don't mess up like don't get dirty don't do this don't do that Mm -hmm. and now like and like my boss he said he said to me don't be afraid to fail he was like i I want you to embrace that and best thing he ever said to me and he, he has no idea like i wish like I wish I could say his name and like pra- praise him up and down, but he might be weirded out by that. But, uh, but he, like those words like changed like pivoted me really mm. like mm. fundamentally and saying, all right. And everything, not just like UX or like, or like, like doing like design or like coding, but like with my family, mm. how, like how I raised my children, especially like with that, it's like, the 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 idea of like being perfect is like what everyone wants, like this American dream or whatever, right? Mm, mm. But like, all I want is to, to like be happy at the end of, at the end of the day. And if I'm not, then I'm not going to waste my time. <laughs> that's all we have. Mm. It's more important than fifty dollars an hour, a hundred dollars an hour. Mm. It's way more important.
1: Mm. I think that's a great message. It is, and um, that's probably good not to finish on really. Yeah. Um, so Thanks so much for joining awesome. us. And Thanks yeah, very much thank, joining us. Thank
4: you. Us, so. Sorry I couldn't make it yesterday. <laughs> Enjoy That's the rest right. of your stay yeah. in Sweden. I'll try. I'll try. I'm yeah. very tired. So. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> thank right. you. Thanks, Thank you.
2: Right, we're standing here with Kat Noon, <laughs> and you're one of those people we interview, and I'm so jealous of your name because it sounds so really cool, Kat Noon.
5: <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> I
1: am
2: Kat Noon on Twitter. Yeah.
1: No, it's, uh, not am, it's, it's not. I am. It's not. I am. I am. How you know it's that? You, you know,
5: it's was a that was a poor choice for me. Because I say I am, and people think, okay, all right, how is this working?
1: And I did so, exactly that when The start of your talk. <laughs> you <laughs> stood there and said, yeah. I am Cat Noon. I thought, oh, that's cool. And your Twitter handle's the same. And I typed in I am Cat Noon. No, but not found. Yeah. And I realized See, it's
5: I'm. Oh. It's one of those situations yeah. where I tried to be clever, and it just didn't work.
2: <laughs> mm. So you just came off stage. You gave a really yeah. personal talk about storytelling, Thanks. about reinventing how we regard books and how books work, yeah. really. Uh, which brought me to thinking about my kids and... Mm-hmm how they don't read anymore and just <laughs> watch YouTube clips yeah. uh, to learn stuff. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I get upset about that, and probably I shouldn't as much as I do.
5: Mm-hmm. <laughs> no. I, don't, I don't know how you I, – think no, you no, have it's the same kind of
1: thing. I mean, I mm-hmm. actually bought a, a Minecraft how-to book, physical, traditional book uh, for my daughter, because mm-hmm. she's, she's learning to read as well. So I thought, no, this is really good, mm-hmm. doing Minecraft and reading a book. But I do feel – yeah, sometimes I get hung up on the fact that it's all digital.
5: Mm. Yeah, I mean I think um a lot of people are visual and uh you know there's visual movie and that's great but I, I think to be able to sit down and 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 read which is something so many people love to do um but if we were to make make that interactive um where someone can can view visuals of a graph you know for for some type of Know, investment book that they're reading about, or um, you know, watch characters come to life, or hear them talking. You know, these small sound bits uh, as they continue to read through the story. Um, I think it'd be much more engaging, mm-hmm. um, and I, I definitely think in regards to children, you'd you'd get more children reading. Um, yeah. You know, the problem is that um, you know, it it as much as we love to read, it takes a lot of effort to sit there and go through this. Entire book, especially mm-hmm. something like Harry Potter, which is what five hundred pages, mm-hmm. um, and as much as I could sit there um, and and read through all of them continuously, uh, I imagine that the experience would be much more delightful uh, if there was some type of interaction mm-hmm. um, if those characters could mm-hmm. come a little bit more to life mm-hmm. I think I, th-
1: I personally think that um, <coughs> you know, with, the, with the way that the, the kids their attention it, i mean the, the books seem to at least observing my own kids, mm-hmm. um, the books lack that power at times to, to hold the attention, even mm-hmm. if they really enjoy the characters, really enjoy the story. Sure. They're used to the interactions from the games and other the mm-hmm. media mm-hmm. that they, mm-hmm. um, they have on their tablets. Mm-hmm. So I can say, oh, do I have to read? I get mm-hmm. as a reply. Mm-hmm. I yeah. Thought, well, yeah. Well, yeah, yeah, you should. Mm-hmm. So you end up nagging about it. And it turns mm-hmm. into a mm-hmm. non-loved activity.
5: Sure, yeah. exactly. And, you know, that's the, at least I don't know how it works here, but, um, uh, in the States, you know, most children have this uh, summer reading that mm. they have to yeah, do. Yeah, we had that. Well. Um, so what is the f- the one thing you don't want to do during summer is read and, mm. and do anything, you know, in regards to school. Mm. Um, so if we could put these books um, that are not always the most great choices um, for anyone um, and, and and make them more interactive, I think uh, kids would get excited. Mm. You know, and, and really, that's I think that's what does it.
1: When you, you touched upon. You mentioned the the transitional aspect of this. I mean, mm-hmm. we definitely us, anyway. Uh, the generation we're in is the transitional generation. Sure, yeah. we, we have the memory of all the, mm-hmm. the physical things, the yeah. books, and yet we're really on top of a lot of the digital stuff. Mm-hmm. And, and you mentioned about the kids now, the digital yeah. generation. sure. They, they're not going to have mm.
5: uh, no. the memories. Mm. No, not at all. They, you know, I think I think everyone should experience, you know, the tattered spine and the smell and the. Turning of the page, I think mm. it's. I think that alone is a fantastic experience. Mm. But I think there's room for new experiences, and if there's a better mm. one that can be had, then why not do it? Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I think for them this is this is natural. Mm. You know, they don't know any other way, um, yeah. and I I, mm. I think that's okay.
1: Mm. Yeah, it's, it's kind of our problem more
2: than theirs.
5: Yeah, so sure, exactly, what, exactly. But our,
1: but our responsibility at the same yeah. time, yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. And there's
2: been so much progress in neuroscience over the past decade. Mm-hmm where you actually realize that learning is different based on what areas of the brain you stimulate. And you, sure, a, you actually played music during your presentation. Yep. You, that's not very common, yep. but it helps you relax. It helps you actually yep. to start thinking in another direction. Mm-hmm. And I've been to conferences where they have live music in between talks, mm-hmm. which is a fantastic experience and makes you relax and think about oh, other stuff think, in relation. Like, yeah.
5: Music
1: hall days yeah. the band would rise up So it.
2: in, <laughs> in essence, it actually helps the experience and also helps yeah. you remember.
5: Exactly. Mm. Yeah. yeah, I mean... Um, Kids learn differently now. Mm. Um, and, and I think it's important to provide them with the tools and, and, and what they need to mm. learn the way they learn. Um, mm. And I think that in regards to reading, this is it. Um, so we'll see. Yeah.
2: Yeah. Okay. Great. Thanks for joining nice us, Cat. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. Bye. Scott Hanselman, thanks for joining us. Thanks.
3: Hey, how are you? Great. Yeah. All good. Yeah. Uh, you gave a talk yesterday. You're giving one today as well. Again, we Well, heard. I'm going to be a pinch hitter. Yeah. We had a, a person not going to make it because of a flight issue, and then a slot opened up, mm-hmm. and they were a little panicked. So I'm going to just do a different talk at 2:45.
1: That must mean that your talk went down well yesterday. Mm. They called it you back for everyone.
3: I thought it went all right. It was an, a, an early talk. Um, that was also because a, a speaker had trouble. Mm-hmm. I'm kind of the pinch hitter here. <laughs> yes, you are because I'm <laughs> yeah. I'm supposed to speak today at t- mm. two or yes- yesterday, yesterday, yesterday at two. two. Yesterday yeah. at two. Mm-hmm. But then we had someone have some jet lag issues. so then mm-hmm. I ended up speaking at like 10. Mm-hmm. And then now we had a flight issue, and I'll be speaking at two forty-five. So either way, I do better after lunch. Yeah.
1: But it was—it worked anyway. It was—it um, was fun and amusing and, and informative and interesting. Well, edutaining, course. edutaining. Yes, really?
2: like yeah. I treated yeah, like it. it was the
3: most fun. Funny talk I've heard in a long time. Oh, that's very kind. Yeah. Thank you. I had a lot of fun doing it. I put a lot of work into them, and it's nice to see when people appreciate the work. And you can tell because,
2: you. I mean, the timing is impeccable when you switch slides and you have animated GIFs, you know exactly, and you can mouth-sync what
3: the person is saying, so it's fantastic. <laughs> yeah, well, thank you very much. It's experience. It's a stand-up comedy with PowerPoint. Yeah. So, so well, <laughs> It yeah. is, yeah? Okay. So, so let's, let's talk, talk about what it was. What <laughs> was it? It was
2: JavaScript.
3: Uh, it, it was a talk about JavaScript <laughs> yeah. and I basically juxtaposed mm-hmm. the server side and the rise of the virtual machine. The idea that we effectively have, uh, you know, an elastic infinite number of virtual machines on the server. But I feel that people have a tendency to overemphasize that and forget that, you know, maybe you have 10 machines on the server and 10,000 mm-hmm. clients attaching to them. Those 10,000 clients are mostly just hanging out waiting for HTML and JSON. Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, you know, I've got a quad processor supercomputer in my pocket with a accelerated graphics card called an iPhone. Mm. It, I wouldn't necessarily put it to work, but it certainly has a JavaScript virtual machine on it, and it can process stuff. So if you're doing something like sorting a table, mm. like I've got a table of 100 items, and I click on the header to sort by that header, nine times out of ten, you will post that data back to the server and have some underpowered server in the cloud sort a hundred items because computers are really lousy at sorting things apparently, and then send the resulting HTML all the way back. Why didn't the iPhone do the sort? Right. It has the power. Mm. So then start thinking about generating PNGs and GIFs on the server side of pie charts. We still do that. Mm. I recently went to a, a medical company to do a usability test and they were showing me their state of the art system for managing my blood sugar and basically, it was generated PNGs. Mm. <laughs> and this is in 2014. That's mm-hmm. completely unacceptable. Mm. These machines have more power. Think about the mm. virtual machine running on your phone, on your mm. desktop. Even the worst machine that your non-technical, mm. non-gender-specific right. uh, family member has because mm. you're not allowed to say mm. your mom, because mm. your mom might have a PhD mm. in computer science. Mm. Uh, your you know, grandma, grandpa, great-uncle, they've got... A accelerated graphics card. They've mm. got at least a dual core, probably a quad, that's not doing any work. Mm. Mm. So if you think about it that way, you'll mm. completely change the way you architect your application. Right. Yeah.
2: So you're saying it's unacceptable, but really isn't it a competence issue? Not enough people are as adept at JavaScript as you would well, like. Well,
3: one man's competence is another man's laziness. I just think that it's a lack of the organizational willpower. And I think that people, uh, like myself, mm-hmm. I'll I'll put myself in the guilty party column. Uh, I've been in the industry 20 years. You know, We all like to say I've got 20 years experience. Mm. Do I really, though? Or is it just the same year 20 times? Yeah. Right? Mm. Well, when you have the same year's experience 20 times, you can be really, really good at generating you know, pie charts on the server side. I could bang out a pie chart right now without even Googling. Mm. But if I had to go and do like a D3 JavaScript visualization, mm. I was going to require some stack overflow mm. time. So laziness dictates, and 20 years' experience dictates, I'll do the thing I know how to do.
2: Mm. Yeah,
1: Nice. You know, I, was thinking, uh, I was thinking about the, the you know, this underutilized power that we've got in our pockets and everything, but it kind of gets me hung up on the fact that battery technology is so crap. And that thinking about, yeah, we can do wonderful things, JavaScript as an OS and doing lots of things there. Hmm? But I suppose at, s- at the same time, we're forced to have... But to maintain some respect for the fact that we can't fully utilize all that power in our pocket because the battery people haven't managed to deliver us that kind of power source that we
3: need to do Yes and no. People apparently will utilize that battery power for Angry Birds (laughs) and Bejeweled. And they don't do it without a thought. They do that without a thought. So I think that if the experience is compelling enough, people will deal with it. Mm. Plus, I'm not talking about writing a a well-true hard loop that is spinning mm. in JavaScript. I'm not saying that the thing needs to be going full out, mm. full tilt, hundred CPU. I'm saying don't think about bandwidth. Yeah. Don't post back a hundred items and then sort them and then bring them back. Mm. I mean, mm. that's a bandwidth issue. That's a resource, a mm. scarce resource. Mm. You're describing the scarce that resource is. of batteries. Mm. I, I have more battery than I have bandwidth. I don't know about how it works over here, but right now I, <laughs> I have 150 megabytes. That's how many megabytes I have for the entire week in Stockholm. Yeah. Mm. So, I'm doing things like turning on cell data, turning, visiting Twitter, yeah. and then turning yeah. it off. Yeah. Yeah. And then going, oh, that cost me 40K. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And battery you know? there suddenly isn't an issue because you're not using all the kind of wireless. <laughs> yeah, I'm not worried about wire. I'm yeah. not worried about my battery. Yeah. It's no. a balance. It's all a balance in all things.
1: Yeah. yeah, exactly. And as long as you're not the app that was the one that got noticed killing the battery mm. at the end. Well, and the nice thing about
3: trying. the iPhone on iOS 8 is that they actually show that. And then on Windows phones now, they'll say that mm. this app used 13% yeah. of the battery. And I think in the future, we'll see that with uh, with browsers to be able to say, mm. I keep visiting CNN, mm. and CNN uses jQuery, which is not using the browser efficiently. Mm. Therefore, yeah. stop visiting CNN. Yeah.
1: Exactly. I mean, I, yeah. it's the kind of thing I noticed with the whole sliding banners, carousel things. Yeah. that you, you kind of hear your fan on the laptop going crazy. What the mm-hmm. hell happened? And you realize you've left that web page open with the, yep. ba- with the banner, the autoplaying video, and all the other rubbish that's there. And like, oh, well,
3: you remember the old joke that if you want to get the fan running on your laptop, just visit a page with flash on it. Yep. Right. Very exactly.
2: Yeah. Well, given that this is a UX podcast, uh, both, both me and James, we like to get a bit technical as well because we, we're developers as kids. Oh, we haven't been technical so far? <laughs> And, and, I mean, what, where, whose responsibility is it? You were touching upon it, but whose responsibility is it to actually make the right decisions when developing and making the right use of JavaScript in, in applications?
3: So I have kind of a weird opinion about that. I think that there are a lot of people who like to call themselves full-stack developers, mm. which we used to call Swiss Army Knives, right? Mm. which is the reason that the Swiss Army is the power that they are today. Um, the, and you can't be a generalist and be an expert. I think it's funny that the that, that, that young people are calling themselves full-stack developers as a way of saying, I know it all. Eh, no, you don't. I think you have to know it all generally, mm. know all of the basic I need to knows, mm. and then the I should know, I kind of ought to know, and the trivia, as you imagine, a, a continuum between the absolute basics, I must know everything, I must know this, mm. down to the trivial weirdnesses about PHP. I'm mm. never going to know those things. Mm. Know the need to know is at a very general level and then specialize in one instance. So you might be a CSS three expert. I doubt you could be a CSS three expert, a a JavaScript expert, a C sharp expert, a database expert, a dynamic scales mm. team, mm. Da, 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 da. Mm. can't do that. Mm. But if everyone in the team has the basics and then knows who specializes, those decisions should be made as a team, as a collective mm. and say, all right, well we power power usage is something to think about, and UX is something to think about, and server-side utilization is something to think about, mm. and collective ownership, I think, is important. So I'm, I'm advocating for a system that doesn't have silos where I know nothing about SQL, talk to the database guy, mm. and I don't advocate for a system where we're all full-stack developers and we all know everything, because then it's just going to suck
1: mm.
2: completely. Yeah.
1: yeah, you're right. I agree with that. You've got to, especially with programming,
3: I think you've got to put your hours in to a thing, or you're exactly. just not going to keep on yeah. top of it. But I have an awareness of UX, and I have, yeah. i know what AB testing is, and I know the value of it. So mm-hmm. you don't need to convince me of that. Mm-hmm. If we lived in a silo, you're going to spend half of your job trying to convince me why your job is useful.
2: Yeah. Well, excellent well, excellent note to end on, I guess. I think so. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Firebreaking. Yeah. Looking forward to your next talk, Scott. Yeah. Thanks for having me, Thank you.
1: So we've had um, two days of. Talks at um, Hybrid Conf, and well, I think it's been good fun. I'm, I'm I'm still really pleased that we've we've had this type of conference um, in Stockholm.
2: Yeah, like we mentioned before, that we actually have a conference that attracts international an international crowd of yeah. people. That really. yeah,
1: not just a few yeah. international speakers and a lot of Swedish ones. Mm-hmm. Um, but I mean, I think there was a, there was a raise of hands at one point um, during one of the presentations or speakers uh, talks, um, and it looked like. Oh, about half maybe were Swedes, mm. or in Sweden, and the other half were international visitors to the town and the conference. Right, that's really good. You get a it, the kind of mingling and the kind of chats you have mm. are really different when you're in a uh, in a group of of, of non local people. Yeah, um, you know, and it, I think there's a whole different interest in what the other people yeah. do every day. Yeah, and a different, and people want to hang around afterwards. Yeah. Instead of running home mm. or whatever they're doing it's, it's it, there's a lot of pluses to having that kind of mix mm. at your conference not just local people having people from outside the area and I think hybridconf actually succeeded in in making that happen nice yeah so what are your
2: takeaways from the conference James
1: well this one actually there's, there's a lot of personal stories um, at this conference mm-hmm. I mean yeah. we, we interviewed um, um, well a couple of speakers that Mm. Uh, had talks based on mm. what they personally felt, um, and a few more other speakers um, shared personal stories. Um, the very the closing one, um, Carl, Carl Smith, Carl Smith, yeah. yeah. Um, I missed that. Lessons one. from the lemonade yeah. stand. That was actually Really good. Mm. Um, he shared um, oh, uh, quite a few stories about him and his family, and his mm. one particular lemonade stand story that was from the title of the presentation was about him, um, his daughter selling lemonade and. and on a cold, I think it's called January day. Um, and she wanted to give away for free. Uh, but so I yeah. set up a little business stand and you know, sold it there. When um, a guy um, pulled up in a big truck mm. and, and he goes, um, well, you got any hot chocolate? Mm. And she goes, no, I don't, but I will have later. So come back. Exactly. So she saw it as a business, listen to the customer. So it's a business opportunity. Mm. And you know went off and made some and he came back mm. and, you know, asked her, you got some chocolate now? And she goes, yes, I have. And served it to him. And she, she was really, really pleased because she'd, you know, made the, the customer happy. That's excellent. But um, well, that little story finished off with um, a group of teenage girls, I think it was, um, came up to the lemonade stand and, and saw it, said, you know, cakes and, and, and lemonade for free. Yeah. Um, and uh, they took the lot. <laughs> <laughs> and Carl was kind of about to go, oh, God, no, what are you doing to my daughter? You just—you mean people. Taking yeah. But his daughter was really over the moon. She just goes... <laughs> No, oh, we sold Fantastic. out. Yeah. We sold out. We can close up now and go home.
5: <laughs>
2: Even though it was free. Yeah, yeah.
1: yeah. She yeah. saw. Oh, yeah. yeah. She, she, yeah. She saw it as a business thing, and that was her way. Mm-hmm. Her pri- price was free. So yeah, once yeah, she so- sold all that stuff. Then- so,
2: so the uh, moral of the story then is that you need a sponsor, and then you. Can <laughs> yeah, generally <laughs> busy. Yeah, but
1: but uh, there's a lot of personal stories, and um, so my my kind of take homes or reflections on the from the conference um, are are more kind of I suppose. But personal in that mm. smile or smiling was one of the things that came out of Carl's um, um, talk. That, you, know, you get a lot of mileage from making people smile and from you smiling yourself.
2: Yeah, so Smile more. I smile quite a lot anyway. Now see, that's what people tend to remember from these things is stories, the stories yeah. that speakers tell. Yeah, storytelling. And that's one thing that I actually tend to get out of these things is the different presentation styles mm. and stealing some stuff from different people. Yeah, And, of course, you could tell, that we talked about this before also, that Scott was really prepared. You could tell that he had done the presentation several times. He was in sync with the slides in a mm-hmm. way that few speakers are. And not reading a script. But we also saw a trend with animated GIFs. We, we saw did. several speakers with that. There, there's a lot of animated yeah.
1: GIFs around, mm-hmm. which was good and could be irritating, depending Potentially. on... Potentially. Yeah. but Scott used them really, really well. Yes. Um <laughs> But it's, it's another cu- couple of quick take-ons. Mm. Um, having thirty minutes of downtime before bed. I, I'm, yeah. I, I'm one of these. I'm, I've always been a sucker for sitting at my mm. computer or whatever device it is until the last second mm. when I really have to pass out, and you know, that doesn't work for you as a as a human being. You need you need a little bit of time where your your brain disconnects.
2: And this is from Scott's second talk, isn't it? It was, because yeah. Yeah,
1: he jumped in as a yeah, as we mentioned, an ah. additional speaker. Yeah. Um, and um, yeah, so I'm trying yeah. to. I'm going to try to, to maybe mm. read a little bit of half an hour or even just watch some TV or yeah. something. So it's mm. not intensive screen time with my tablet or laptop yeah. or whatever it is.
2: Yeah, that also struck a chord with me really because I I realize I'm doing all the wrong things uh, in that sense. Mm. I'm always online, always available, mm. always. You've got three devices and they're all the messages on, on the chat system start popping yeah. up on all of them mm. and sounding on all of them yeah. uh, sometimes as well. Yeah, exactly. Because you've installed a new app and you forgot to set the settings for it. Yeah, Uh, it's crazy. Mm. Leading on
1: from that, I think it was also from Scott's um, second talk. Mm. Um, When someone's talking to me, turn off the screen on the device I'm using, Mm. or uh, close the lid or whatever Mm. it is. So, especially with my family, Mm. that's something it's it's so easy to
2: forget. It sounds so obvious that you should do that, but then you look at yourself and you you realise that too many times you actually failed
1: to. I'm sat there replying to a text Mm. or chatting on some messaging Mm. thing, and while my kids are talking Mm. to me. And uh, they deserve mm. more attention than that. Everyone deserves more. Yeah. more. If someone's bothering to, talk, bothering to right. talk to me, then I need to give them their attention. So I need, I need to practice being
2: better at that. And that also ties in, of course, with smiling. You smile mm. to people because you acknowledge their presence. You acknowledge that they're there. And so it's all about creating an experience of yourself towards others.
1: You're connecting, communicating. Mm. Yeah.
2: Instead of distancing yourself and, mm.
1: being well, ignoring people. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> and, and I suppose final final thing mm-hmm. is... Um, I got inspired to do a conference of my own. Mm-hmm. There was, there was a, f- a few bits, a lot, you know, during the days, two days where it made me think, God, damn, I really do need to sort a conference out.
2: Yeah. Which is an insane thing mm. to, to have as a take on, really, because it's a lot of work. It is a lot of work, mm. but it seems also a lot of fun. But, uh, yeah. Yeah, Jonny Strømberg gave a talk about uh, teachings for the archipelago where they had a conference out on an island. Uh, on a remote island, mm-hmm. really, and uh, here in the Socotra archipelago yeah. and uh, people when they actually signed up for it had no idea where the event was going to take place. Mm. So it's, there was that creating that sense of mystery was yeah. pretty inspiring. So, as I'm well. getting excited <laughs> just by
1: repeating the story. <laughs> it was an excellent idea. Yeah. So that was it. Mm. You have kind of more. So rather than kind of work this way, do agile that or mm. do UX this, mm. I got I got more. Um, you know introspective yeah, take-homes I, I think yeah.
2: from this um, Good way of putting conference. it yeah. I totally agree so uh, I hope they'll be back next year or they'll switch country well, next year I they've actually
1: to... moved mm. moved on so they're not in Sweden anymore The ah, organisers,
2: you got some info on that
1: yeah they, they were moving mm. just after the um, conference
2: okay. back to the UK So but I
1: don't know where they're going to end up so yeah. we'll see, we'll have to wait and see where mm. hybrid conf um, turns up next year mm. it's been Cardiff and it's been Stockholm and yeah you know, it might be in, say, America. Who knows? Right. Yeah. Who
2: knows? Okay. There is one thing before we actually end the show that we need to uh, set straight. And that's a finding you made about our last show. It was my fault, really. <laughs> uh, and it's uh, it's one of the Link shows. Uh, was it episode 80 where yep. we talked in, for 20 minutes about the first article? Everything's Broken. Mm-hmm. By Quinn. Mm. I forget uh, her first name. Her first, her, name first, is her, Quinn. her first name is Quinn, and her last name was is it Travis. Ah, oh, I forget.
1: We're making this a mess of uh, it. We are
2: we? <laughs> totally messing this up again. <laughs> no, it, but, but, for the full twenty minutes, we were talking about this person as a he and the programmer. Yeah, and she's a she and a
1: full-time tech writer.
2: Right. Mm. So
1: and sorry, I wrong. Mean, I, on I, both I, counts. It is, uh, but I've. It's
2: very embarrassing. We should be better. I know. Than that. I, yeah.
1: It's my fault because I've only met male Quins. So I, I mm. use my prejudices there on what, no, not prejudices, was it preconceptions mm. about what, oh, what what gender a queen yeah.
2: Sorry, Quinn. We're very sorry about that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right. Uh, let's wrap up. Remember to keep moving. See you on the other side.